The sweet sound of sports you love from Sling. The collide of football pads. The squeak of shoes on a basketball court. The crack of the bat on a home run. The slice of skates cutting across the ice. But what about this one? That's the sound of all the sports you love. All at once. Starting at $40 a month. Experience it all live with Sling. Sling. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's Pharrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad seat, the broken day, the bad elbow with a bad attitude. Hanging around a bunch of bad letters, bad taste, bad luck, bad do, bad bread, bad attention, bad vibes. So I want to do a lot of stuff like we do usually on a Monday where I recap everything that went down over the weekend. First thing I want to talk about before I get into the college basketball And I'll do it like in sequence, right? Like I'll do Saturdays, big games, and then eventually Sundays, games, and et cetera, et cetera. But a couple of things happened. One, Sunday I went to a high school county playoff game. Now, where I live in northern New Jersey, there are, you know, big tournaments. And they play this thing called the Jamboree and it's like a gigantic huge thing where they play the semifinals and championship at Fairleigh Dickinson University in Teaneck and the place is packed with like 5,000 people and in history they've had a million great games there and a ton of great players and a lot of them end up in Division One colleges. The one that I can think of off the top of my head that made it big time was Ron Harper's kid, Ron Harper Jr., who plays at Rutgers. And I remember watching him play at Don Bosco. uh, And he was just an incredible young talent at the time. He was a wide body. In other words, he had a big ass. And he could really bang down low in the blocks and produce and score a bunch of points. So I used to go to this tournament, and it was really good. I go to playoff games all over the county where, you know, there's just great Catholic boys basketball. And there's other really good schools that aren't Catholic schools. And my son Gunner and his team were playing in the tournament. And so my son plays for this school and they were playing another school and the other school was the seventh seed and my son's team was the 10th seed in the county. So, you know, you got to remember there's tons of schools. So to be in the top 10 is a pretty good thing. It's privileged territory in terms of being one of the top 10 teams in the whole county. The county's huge. So I go to this game and it's at this great school, a legendary school with tons of championships called Bergen Catholic. And over the years, Bergen Catholic has had an immense rivalry with Don Bosco. They hate each other's guts. So one of my good friends played at Bergen Catholic when he played in high school. And he would later play college ball. And he would later become a college basketball coach at Princeton, where he is now. 
and we call him the gunslinger. He's the man. I love that kid. He's a great player. I play with him all the time. He can light it up from anywhere. He's got an incredible stroke, can hit shots from you name it. Deep corner, top of the perimeter, on the wings, inside. He can drive. He can finish. He can finger roll. He can drop, step you, step back you. Just do you pump fake you, work you, you name it. He's got it all in his bag of tricks. But anyway, he's the only guy that I ever knew that actually played at this religious Catholic boys' school called Bergen Catholic. So we're going to give them some good publicity today for being a great school. But on Sunday, when I went to this game, I was watching this game, and sure enough, the team that was the seven seed was clearly better than Young Guns' team, the 10th seed. It was a really good game. It went back and forth, and... It was intense. It was physical. The one team was scoring inside, it would seem to me, at will. Uh, They had, at one point, I thought it was around 60 points. I thought at least, you know, 45 to 48 of the points were due to layups. Just straight up, right at the basket, right at the rim, easy shots that they were able to finish. And then I think that one of the other problems that, Gunn's team had was turnovers. They had problems with this team's full court press, which they harassed them with from the start of the game until the end of the game. So all they did was press them, and it led to, I would say, at least 25 turnovers, which in turn led to 48 points worth of layups and just easy No challenge buckets right from inside of two feet. I mean, these guys were popping in layups like it was candy. And it was driving me nuts. So one of the things that got me at this game was, is that the ref, one of the refs, they were both terrible. And I don't care about the high school refs. I could care less. I don't get involved with high school kids' games and refs. And I'm not one of the lunatic parents that goes and cusses out the ref. I don't do that. But I was at this game, and the one ref called five seconds on Gunn's team, not once, but twice. One time he called the guard for five seconds when he was dribbling around trying to set up his offense and look for the right play and the right pass. And out of nowhere, he called five seconds. And everyone in the crowd was like, what? I mean, really? You're going to call that? The guy's like dribbling around looking to make a play and then you're going to call him for five seconds. All right, is that the way we're going to play today? And I'm just watching everyone's reaction and everybody was kind of like dumbfounded by it. And they were all like, all right, so we're going to do that, are we? We're going to call five seconds. That's like the ref that constantly calls three seconds in the lane or the ref that a guy shoots a free throw and someone steps over the line at the free throw area on the sides and they call a lane infraction. Is there anything worse than the ref that does that in a game? Like in the NBA, let's face facts, in the big time NBA, guys don't even stand behind the line at the free throw lines on the sides. They just walk right in after the free throw every time. Even on the second free throw, they just go in and just pound the rim, right? They don't stay behind the line. And you know it. I know it. Everybody knows it. You know, watch a game and you'll see it for yourself. They never follow that rule ever, right? So here I am watching this game. The guy calls five seconds. So later in the game, in the second half, there's about 10 minutes left. And 
this old guy ref once again on an inbounds play under their own basket. Gunn's team gets called again for five seconds on the inbounds. The guy called five seconds and it was literally like three or four seconds. The guy's holding the ball and he called five seconds and everybody was like booing. And then sure enough, five minutes goes by. There's probably five minutes left in the game. And the one team's up by 10, so it didn't matter. But they get an inbounds play at the exact same spot as the five seconds was called on Gunner's team. And then this kid gets there, and he's literally standing there, and I'm at the other end of the gym, literally the entire other end of the gym, under the other basket. And I'm literally on the first row of the stands in the deep corner, and this guy's got the ball under the basket. And I yell, three... Four, five, six, seven, and he still got the ball, and then he passes it in after I yell seven. And then the ref came down to the other end in a timeout, walked up to the athletic director at the Bergen Catholic Religious School and told him to tell me to stop yelling. Because I yelled three, four, five, six, seven. And then this fat athletic director walked over to me, all 300 pounds of him, to tell me to stop yelling. And I said to him, I never said two words to the ref. I never said anything to the raft. I said, you have got to be kidding me that I can't yell three, four, five, six, seven when the guy's holding the ball for seven seconds under the basket, but the same ref has called two five-second calls on the other team. So I yell three, four, five, six, seven, and they weren't having it. So he told me to stop yelling. And I said to him, I am not yelling. The problem is is that my voice carries through your pansy-ass gym and I never cussed or yelled anything at the ref. I just counted out loud and you don't like it. I said, so I am not going to stop yelling because I didn't yell at anyone and shoo fly. I also told him that the old man ref, his name was Thin Lizzy because he had thin skin. He couldn't take someone yelling the count of the inbounds pass after he had crappily called two five second calls against Gunner's team. So I told the guy to shoe fly. Then I proceeded to leave after my son's team left and I could care less because they were going to lose the game either way, giving up 50 layups and 25 turnovers. And I drove home and I called my friend, the gunslinger. And I said, who is the fat athletic director at Bergen Catholic that told me to stop doing a loud count on the inbounds play. How embarrassing. I also asked him, what happens when Bergen Catholic plays games in their gym? Are the other fans from the other team not allowed to cheer when they score a basket or when one of their players gets a hard foul in the lane? No one's allowed to yell anything toward the court because Thin Lizzy can't handle any criticism from the fans in the stands. 
Also, when I was at the game, when the game was starting, they warned everyone, do not yell at the refs. Do not incite the refs. Do not cuss. Behave. Be good to the players, to the refs, to the other fans, to the other team's fans. I also am not allowed to yell at the game. I'm not allowed to cheer for my son. I'm not allowed to say a word. I need to sit there. And by the way, they kept telling me to go buy food in their food stand. So I went and bought a coffee and I gave him a dollar tip. But apparently that doesn't count for being a good person either. Because when you go to the religious school, you either follow Jesus and support Bergen Catholic's rules or you are not welcome. But you are welcome to tip them and you are welcome to watch your team lose. You're also welcome to watch the ref make horrible calls and you have to eat it. Just like their food at the food stand. I hated going to the game because I'm not allowed to call out anything. Can't talk, can't support, can't say great shot, great defense, great stop, great no look, great defense. Can't do any of that. When you go to the religious school, you can only support the religious school's team. If you're not cheering for Bergen Catholic, you are going to hell. You're a sinner and a horrible person. And I don't ever want to see Thin Lizzy again because Thin Lizzy can't take anyone giving him any heat. Imagine what would happen if someone actually cussed at Thin Lizzy, like one of the coaches. But my son's coach never does anything. He just stands and crosses his arms and watches the team bend over, get spanked and called Charlie. Very frustrating day at the religious school where you have to behave or you will serve a sentence or you will have a nun slap you across the wrists with a wooden stick. Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood... We bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. So on Sunday, I watched my beloved Penguins beat up on the Red Wings. At one point, I was watching, and it was 5-1. to one, And they were in the second period, and there were still eight minutes left. And Patrick Hornquist had already had a hat trick. That means three goals to you, mister. His 13th, 14th, and 15th goals of the season. 
Crosby had his 11th goal. Latang had his 14th goal. And all it could do for me was remind me of greater days when the Penguins and Red Wings had one of the great rivalries in all of hockey. It's probably why they showed the game on national television on Sunday. Because the Penguins and Red Wings used to play each other in the Stanley Cup final. You remember 2008. The Red Wings beat the Penguins in the Stanley Cup Finals and it made me sick to my stomach. The following year, the Penguins went back to the Stanley Cup Finals and guess who they played? They played the Red Wings. I will never forget what happened in Game 7 of that series. The Penguins were at the Joe in St. Louis and somehow which had never been done in the history of the free world, the Penguins were able to win in a building where no one wins a Game 7 ever. The Red Wings have won all kinds of Stanley Cup championships. They don't lose in their building. But that night they did at the hands of bad hands Max Talbot, who had two goals in a 2-1 to Penguin victory. And one of the great memories of my entire career was that night because I was doing my show on the Howard Stern channel, Howard 101. And at the time, I was able to do uncensored radio. Thus, that means in Portuguese, I could cuss. Not only that, but we had the rights, Sirius XM, to the NHL and all other sports for that matter. So one of the great things was is that I could actually do the play-by-play of the game without a problem. You are not allowed to do play-by-play of games on television, on the radio, ever. Unless the radio network that you work for owns the rights to the NHL games, which Sirius XM does. They carry every game home and away. They have home and away broadcast, the home team broadcast, and the road team broadcast. They have the NHL channel, which is 24-7 hockey. Can you imagine listening to 24-7 hockey every day of your life? You would pull your eyeballs out of your face. But for some reason, hockey fans like listening to the channel. I only listen to the channel during the Stanley Cup playoffs because then it is very exciting when they have shows on talking about playoff games and playoff series and fights and everything else and game sevens. It is entertaining radio. Thus, I listen. But this night was a game seven night in Detroit and I did the entire game on Howard 101, not only that, I did it with foul language. One of the greatest broadcasts in the history of the world was Pharrell's call of Game 7 at the Joe, Detroit against Pittsburgh, Game 7 in Detroit Rock City, and you can find it anywhere. If you Google Pharrell calls Game 7 Penn's Red Wings 2009, you will hear the broadcast. You cannot listen to this broadcast around children. You cannot listen to this broadcast at work. That's one of those not safe for work broadcasts. So if you played this audio at work and your boss walked by your cubicle, you will be fired because the language on this broadcast is so heinous and horrific, it would scare anyone anywhere. It was the lousiest, worst, most awful, heinous, torturous, blasphemous, 
disgusting, repulsive language in the history of man. And it was awesome. People loved it. The broadcast got rave reviews. Not only was it cool to hear me cussing for three hours, but it was also funny to hear me call my team, win the Stanley Cup, game seven on the road, an impossible task, but they did it. And to have the worst player on the team who never scored goals, not score once, but score twice. And not only that, they were the only two goals the Penguins scored in the game, and the Penguins were one of the best teams in the league, and they scored tons of goals every night. And they had one of the fastest, best offenses and highest-scoring teams in the league. But this night, Detroit shut them down except for two Max Talbot goals. And then the last five minutes of the game, I had to call the game as the Red Wings pounded Murray and pounded Flurry with goal shots and everything else nonstop, and they made every single save. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Flurry made some of the most dynamic acrobatic saves I've ever seen in a hockey game in that last five minutes, and I was losing my mind. I cuss out the refs. The refs refused to drop the puck on faceoffs. They were taking one, two, three minutes to drop a puck, and it was torturous. So I would bash them till no end. And I made fun of the city of Detroit. I made fun of their unemployment rate. It got a lot of people very angry at me. But it didn't matter because when the Penguins won and the whistle blew and it was all over but the shouting and the Penguins danced on the ice and jumped on each other and hoisted the Stanley Cup, I lost my mind. I freaked out on the air. I went ballistic. I was screaming and yelling and laughing and making fun of players on the other team like Marion Hossa, who I wished death upon and everything else. It was evil and unwarranted and unholy and not good for the community and not good for anyone. Old people didn't like it. Young people were not allowed to listen to it. It was absolutely horrifying, but it was a blast. And all of my fans have loved it to this day. Imagine all these years later. In 2020, people are still listening to the broadcast. And imagine all these years later, the Penguins have won more Stanley Cups, including back-to-back in 16 and 17. The Penguins now have five Stanley Cups. So every time I see the Penguins playing the Red Wings, like Sunday in Pittsburgh when they hooked up for a little game where the Penguins were pounding the Red Wings into submission and Hornquist was having a hat trick, it made me very happy. And I was smiling and laughing and having memories of past lore when the Penguins beat the Red Wings in Detroit. I will never forget it. I still talk about it to this day. I'm talking about it right now. You have to listen to the broadcast to fully appreciate its greatness. And I kind of like watching the Penguins play again because they're kick-ass. The Penguins will have 36 wins 
15 losses and six overtime losses when it was all said and done. They have been winning. They've gone 7 3 and 1 in their last 11. They've won two straight. They score tons of goals. They are 21 5 and 4 at home. They're five games over 500 away from home. The only team in front of them is the Washington Capitals, who they are close to passing. They already passed the New York Islanders. Carver High's favorite team, who he's always clamoring about, the team that swept the Penguins in the playoffs last year, so I hate his guts for that. I blame Carver High for the Penguins getting swept by the Islanders last year. The Islanders did not beat the Penguins. Carver High forced that to happen. He put a bocce jinx on me, and my team was unable to win a game, and he put a hex on them, and thus I've hated him forever. Ever. When I look at the Penguins, they are one of the most talented, deep teams in the entire league. Boston is better. Tampa Bay has more points. But then that's it. You look at the Capitals and the Penguins. They're up there with the best teams in the league. They have more points than the first place Blues in the Western Conference Central Division. They're the defending Stanley Cup champs. They don't even have as many points. The top team in the Pacific, Vancouver, they don't even have 70 points. So the Penguins are one of the scariest teams in the league. They have speed again. They have talent. They have goal scoring. They have goalies. I mean, Murray and Jari are both really good. They get it done. I mean, this team has a shot again. They went out and made a trade for Zucker, put him on the top line with Crosby. He had a pair of goals in a game, I think it was Friday night. And remember, we bet on Zucker to score a goal on SportsGrid that night, and it was plus 220. We're constantly hitting hockey bets for you on the show and big bets that make you big money. So the bottom line is... We love betting on the NHL because we make people fat stacks. And I think some of the best teams in the league this year are going to go deep in the playoffs. And you cannot deny that one of those teams is the Penguins. I mean, that whole division in the Metro, the Islanders, Jackets, Flyers have all been fantastic. And then Bruins, Lightning, the Leafs are pretty solid. I'll say that much. I think everyone else has been disappointing. Panthers, Canadians, Sabres, Senators, and Red Wings are all fairly lame, if you ask me. And I think the Canes, who were really good the last couple of years, I think they've been disappointing. The Rangers, Devils don't matter. And in the West... I like the Blues, Stars, and Avalanche, but that's it. I don't respect the Predators, Jets, Wilder, Hawks. And then in the Pacific, I like the Canucks, and I think the Oilers are tough, and the Knights, but then I just am not buying the Flames, Coyotes, Sharks, and the Ducks and Kings. They're all laughable. So when I watch hockey now, I think the Penguins have one of the best teams in the league. They're kicking ass and taking names, and I think they're going to be a very tough out in the playoffs, 
And I hope they play the Islanders so that they can get revenge on them and that I can get revenge on Carver High. Carver High had another one of his huge hockey parties this weekend. Saturday night in the city, downtown on 14th Street at the Offside Tavern. He gathers with a lot of hooligans and he talks about the Islanders and he talks bad about all the other teams, including my team. So thus, I continue to hate him forever. Want to light the lamp on DraftKings and FanDuel this NHL DFS season? Then join DailyRoto.com and learn from the best daily fantasy sports players. Get updated fantasy hockey projections for NHL DFS, line combinations, and build stacks for tournaments in the Daily Roto NHL DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy hockey without using Daily Roto, you are doing it wrong. Enter the promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we gonna learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is gonna be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So I wanted to talk about Saturday's college basketball games of note. So Baylor is the number one team in the country and they were taking on West Virginia and if you go back to Friday's show on Sports Grid Coast to Coast and even in Game Live I kept telling you don't worry about West Virginia Baylor's going to beat them in Waco they are not losing at home they are 23-1 and and now 12-0 and in the Big 12 and they won the game 70-59 to because they are better than West Virginia they would have beat them there in Morgantown it didn't matter Butler had a big game 21-5-4 as the Bears continue to roll, and I hit the bet both ways. Money line and spread. I couldn't believe the line was only five and a half when I got it. It was my fifth ranked play on PharrellAndABench.com. Then I gave you Gonzaga to win at Malibu. They were playing Pepperdine on the road, and the first time they played, it was a five-point game. This time, I had Pepperdine getting 16, and they hit. Gonzaga won the game 89-77. Petrosev had a big game for the Zags, 27-12 and to double-double with three dimes to go with it. But Pepperdine, hang tough. Colby Ross had 23, 2-6, and they lost by 12. Thus, the double cover again. And I had Pepperdine as my number eight play. So I was racking up winners for you left and right. Kansas played at Allen Fieldhouse. What did I tell you on Coast to Coast and In Game Life? I said, they're going to get every single call. 
And they did. And they blew out Oklahoma 87 to 70. Kansas doesn't lose in Lawrence. That's all there is to it. I could not believe I got the Louisville game wrong again. I lost Louisville at Georgia Tech. I lost Louisville at Clemson. They got their ass beat at Clemson by 15. What is wrong with the Louisville cards? Here's what's wrong. They're overrated. They're rated number five in the country because they're 21 and five, but they are playing terrible basketball at the wrong time. They might be 12 and three in the ACC, but they lost to two crappy teams and it makes me sick to my stomach. Now I don't trust them at all to bet on them anymore. Dayton, a winner over UMass, 71-63 on the road. But they did not cover the 14 and a half. That's problematic for me. Dayton's star player, Obi Toppin, had 19 and 7 boards with one dime. And they moved to 23 and 2 with their perfect 12 and 0 in the A-10. Duke blew out Notre Dame. I was really surprised at this game. It was awful. Duke humiliated the Irish. I mean, Mike Bray's team didn't even show up for the game. They lost by 34 points. Duke is now 22 and 3 and 12 and 2 in the ACC. Trey Jones lit it up for 19, 7, and 6 dimes. Florida State a winner. I love this bet. I had Florida State to win on the money line. I had Cuse plus 9.5. And the Orange showed up. They lost 80-77. to 77. Gerard had a big game for Cuse, 22-7 and seven with 5 dimes. Patrick Williams, 17, 7, and 1 for Florida State. They're 21 and 4 and 11 and 3 in the ACC. I'm telling you, this is a very tough team. They're ranked top 10, they're number 8, and they're going to be in a tournament, and they are going to be vicious to play. You are not going to have any fun playing the Seminoles. Maryland with a big win. How about them going into the Breslin Center in East Lansing and beating Michigan State 67-60. to I had Maryland plus 7 on the spread size. It was my number 4 play on PharrellOnTheBench.com. Michigan State has massive problems. They're 17-9. and and nine and six in the Big Ten. But they lose every big game. It is unbelievable to me the losses that they've had. I mean, you can't even deny it. Have you seen this team lately? It's like every time they play, go back in their schedule. They lost to Kentucky by seven early in the season. They lost to Virginia Tech by five. They lost to Duke. 87-75, and they weren't done losing. They went to Purdue and got whacked, 71-42. They went to Indiana in Bloomington at Assembly and lost by four. And then they went to the Kohl Center in Madtown and lost to the Badgers by one, and they were trailing big in that game. They lost at home in East Lansing to Penn State. Then they went to Chrysler, to their rival, Michigan, in Ann Arbor, and they got their ass beat there, 77 to 68. And then they beat Illinois by one in Champaign and then turn around and lose to Maryland. This is not a good team. That's why they fell out of the top 25. They were overrated when they were ranked. Do you remember when they were ranked number one? They were ranked number one. What a joke. It just goes to show you that the college basketball rankings all season long are basically laughable and corrupt. They just 
rank teams based on how powerful their name is in the marketing world. It's the Michigan State Spartans. We're all supposed to be afraid of them because Tom Izzo's the coach and they're in the Big Ten, so we're all supposed to buy in that they're this great team and they're not at all. They're easily beatable and that's all there is to it. I got totally burned on Seton Hall. They went to Providence and lost to the Friars by three. I think they're a poser team too. I don't know what to think of them. They lose big games. That's all I know. Missouri beat Auburn. I couldn't even believe that they lost. They went to Columbia and got whacked by 12. They are starting to lose games that matter. They should have won that game on the road. Missouri's been terrible. They were a 500 team. They were 3-8 and eight in the SEC, and you go there and lose? When you're sitting there 8-3 and three yourselves in the conference and you got 22 wins and you're ranked 11th, you got to win that game. I mean, honestly, the kid Xavier Pinson went off on him for 28-3-5 as the Tigers got the huge upset. Kentucky won at home at Rupp, but they didn't cover. They were playing Ole Miss, and they were laying nine and a half, and they won by five. I mean, what are they doing messing around with them? They're 10-2 and two in the SEC. Congratulations, their 20th win. But they took on a team that's like a game over 500 for the season, and they're basically 4-8 and eight in the SEC. They suck, and then you barely beat them. What does that say about... Kentucky, honestly. I mean, obviously, they won on the money line for you. No problem. Penn State was a winner. They were laying a big number, 13. They covered it. They won 77-61 in Happy Valley. Lamar Stevens had 23, 7-2. And, and this team continues to impress. They won their 20th. They're 10-4 and four in the Big Ten and still rolling. I gave you Colorado on the road in Corvallis to beat Oregon State, and they kicked their ass 69-47. Tyler Bay went off 21 points, 15 boards, and a dime. Colorado won their 20th. They're now 9-4 and four in a Pac-12, ranked 16th. They're a tough team. I love the buffs. Double cover there to win and laying two. It was my ninth best pick. I gave you Georgetown on the spread side at Butler. I didn't think they'd win the game, but they did. 73-66. Patrick Ewan doing a decent job. They're 15-10. and 10, And a bubble team, when you think about it, Butler 19-7. and 7. Tough home loss for the 19th-ranked Bulldogs. Not very impressive, but a nice spread cover and win for the Hoyas. How about Houston? They lost at SMU. I thought Houston would win that game. They were laying two and a half. It was an over overtime game and the Stangs beat them 73-72 so I got double burn there. Rutgers won for me 72-57 I was surprised that number 22 Illinois got beat up like that. I mean they got whacked at the rack no questions asked and I gotta tell you this Rutgers team 9-6 and six in the Big Ten they are a NCAA tournament team for sure. They got big wins on the season and they keep getting better I had Creighton the double cover it was my number two pick on PharrellOnABench.com. They beat up on DePaul in a big way, 93-64. Tayshawn Alexander, 24 points, eight dimes. I mean, they roll, and now they're 20 wins, 9-4 and four in a Big East. I love this Blue Jay team. They mean business. 
elsewhere. Oklahoma State, a big win in Stillwater. I thought Texas Tech would win that game, but the Cowboys beat them by three at Diaba. And Alabama upset LSU. All of a sudden, LSU's been struggling, and Bama beat them by six. I didn't see that coming either. I gave you a ton of other games on Sports Grid going back to Friday night for Saturday's College Rack. I gave you Ohio State at home over Purdue. They won 68-52. They were laying five. That was a double cover. I gave you Miami over Wake, and I was laying three. They won big, 71-54. I gave you Wisconsin at Nebraska, 81-64 Badgers. They were laying six and a half, so the double cover there. Miami of Ohio burned me. I had Northern Illinois, minus one. They lost by five. I had A&M, Texas A&M, over Georgia. They won 74-69, so a big win for the Aggies. I hit TCU. And they were laying three against Kansas State. They won 68-57, double cover there. I got burned on the New Mexico game. UNLV beat them by five. I hit South Carolina to win, but Tennessee and the points in Columbia, double cover there. I had Vatek over Pitt, and the Hokies got it done. And they covered the three and a half. I hit New Mexico State winning, but they didn't cover against Utah Valley. Florida in Gainesville, big over Vandy. The double cover there. I hit the Ramblers of Loyola. Chicago spread. They beat Northern Iowa in overtime in the Windy City. I hit USC big both ways over Washington State. They beat their ass 70-51. to I hit St. Mary's over Pacific. But I did hit Pacific on the spread side. They lost by eight, and they were getting ten and a half. So that was beautiful. How about the clutch Virginia win I gave you at Chapel Hill against North Carolina? The Cavs win it by two. They were getting one and a half. I hit UCLA over Washington at Pauley Pavilion. They were laying three. They won by ten. I gave you Utah State winning at Fresno State. And they covered the spread. They were laying five. That was one of my top ranked plays. I gave you BYU, but they didn't cover the 14 against San Diego. They actually only beat them by one, the Toreros, on the road in SoCali, Cali, Cal. Arizona burned me on the Stanford game. I actually took the Cardinal and the four. They got beat by nine in Palo Alto. So on all my unranked games that I gave you on Pharrellandabench.com, I did terrific and made you fat stacks. And on Sports Grid on Friday with all the money lines I gave out, I went absolutely nuts for you hitting winners. That's all there is to it. Want to be the next Daily Fantasy Millionaire? Dunk on your NBA DFS competition with DailyRoto.com and dominate on FanDuel and DraftKings this season. Compete with the pros with DailyRoto.com, Optimizer, and the most accurate projections in NBA DFS, plus lineup alerts, breaking news, late swap support, and much more. Save 10% on winning NBA DFS advice with promo code DUNK. Visit DailyRoto.com backslash dunk to learn more. All these games I've been talking about on the show, like on Friday, I just gave you money lines and literally hit millions of them. The bottom line is all you have to do is follow the show on Sports Grid every day, coast to coast, four to six, 
an in-game live, 7 to 9. Then you catch this podcast that drops every night around 10 p.m. And then it airs at midnight and 5 a.m. on Fantasy Sports Radio and Fantasy Sports Network. Both apps carry the show. Then they replay the pods on Saturday, 2 a.m. to 7 a.m. It's just absolutely crazy. Plus, on Saturdays, I got Best of Coast to Coast twice at 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. and then again at 2 a.m. and that goes to 4 a.m. So you get it all on the podcast or on the live shows on Sports Grid and of course on Pluto TV 517, Zumo TV channel 719, Watchster channel 352, and YouTube slash Sports Grid Network. It's fantastic. There's a ton of ways to listen, ton of ways to watch, and ton of ways to win lots of cash. And remember what I always say, hide the money from your wife. I was watching games on Sunday. I thought Indiana looked terrible at Chrysler in Ann Arbor getting whacked. I mean, there were so many performances I wanted to hurl. Seriously. Couple of things I wanted to say. I thought that the All-Star Weekend in Chicago was awesome, except that they butchered the slam dunk contest. There is no way on earth that Gordon didn't win that. I can't even tell you. I mean, this guy Jones from the Heat, what did he do to deserve that dunk award? I mean, Gordon had the best dunks, and then the finishing touch was the dunk over Taco Fall. The guy's seven foot six, and he went up. He was hanging on the rim with his onions all over the place. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. His baseline reverse windmill jam should have won him the dunk championship hands down that dunk alone should have got him that I also wanted to say that I thought that Rob Manfred's interview about the situation with the Astros was also laughable it's funny to me listening to this guy talk about helping the Astros get through this Why are they helping the Astros? Why are people trying to aid the Astros? Dusty Baker said, somebody's got to help us if other teams are going to start throwing at our players because pitchers have said they're going to throw at the Astros hitters for all of the cheating. I thought the commissioner was embarrassing. He defended the punishment for the sign-stealing scandal. He did this interview and explained why he didn't punish any Astros players for their roles. Bottom line is he's afraid of being sued by the union and having grievances by the union because of the players. He said, yeah, I understand. I understand people's desire to have the players pay a price for what went on here. If you watch the players, watch their faces when they have to deal with the issue publicly, they have paid a price to think they're skipping down the road into spring training happy. That's just a mischaracterization of where we are. Having said that, the desire to have actual discipline imposed on them, I understand it. And in a perfect world, it would have happened. We ended up where we ended up in pursuit of really, I think, the most important goal of getting the facts and getting them out there for people to know. It. That is a load of crap. None of Houston's players were suspended or fined, and Manfred had previously announced that baseball had no plans to strip the Astros of their World Series title, drawing 
widespread criticism. He said, quote, in the context of my original decision, something that we talked about and analyzed extensively, a big topic of conversation between me and my senior staff, it has never happened in baseball. I'm a believer in the idea that precedent happens and when you deviate from that, you have to have a very good reason. The report gave people a transparent account of what went on. No, it didn't. You also are a phony. He also said, we put people in position to make their own judgments about the behavior that went on. That certainly has happened over the last month. End quote. Well, what's happened is, is everybody realizes that you're full of it. And so are the Astros. So are the players. So is the owner. So was the manager. His interview was pathetic. The GM got whacked. Thank God we don't have to listen to him. Manfred also said, quote, the idea of an asterisk or asking for a piece of metal back seems like a futile act. People will always know that something was different about the 2017 season. Whether we made that decision right or wrong, we undertook a thorough investigation and had the intestinal fortitude to share the results of that investigation, even when those results were not very pretty. Well, isn't that a shame, Commissioner? You had to embarrass the players that cheated. How about they get exposed and that they are crucified? That is what should have happened to them. They should have all been crucified in the town square. He said he was worried about the grievances that I mentioned from the Players Association. He said, quote, well, they just didn't do it. It's in my report. The memorandum went to the GM and then nothing was done from the GM down. So we knew if we had disciplined the players in all likelihood, we were going to have grievances and grievances that were going to lose on the basis that we never properly informed them of the rules. Given those two things, no. I knew where or I'm certain where the responsibility should lay in the first instance and given the fact that we didn't think we could make discipline stick with the players. We made the decision we made. Having said that, I understand the reaction. The players, some of them in a more articulate way than others have said, admitted that they did the wrong thing. And I understand that people want to see them punished for that. And in a perfect world, they would have been punished, end quote. But in a perfect world, they were not punished, Mr. Commissioner. So you are a loser, too. And now everyone hates your guts, including me. When asked about baseball's plans going forward, Manfred indicated that baseball would restrict access to video during games. He said, quote, no question we'll have a new policy before the season. I don't deny video can help you perform if you have access to it during the game. But a golfer can't come off the six and take a look at his swing. We're going to have to live with less access to live video in and around the dugout and clubhouse. It is unbelievable to me how this has been handled by the commissioner, by the Astros, by baseball. Here's what's going to happen. They are going to suspend players all season long and fine players all season long because everywhere the Astros play, they are going to be abused by fans and they are going to be thrown at by pitchers. Players that other players on other teams don't like will be beaned. How about Correa going off on Bellinger and telling him to shut the Pharrell up? 
He didn't know the facts. Well, you do know the facts, right? You know the fact that you're lying that your teammate didn't cheat. He keeps saying Altuve has never cheated. That is a lie. No one believes that. Prove it if you're so right. Prove it. But you don't have to prove it because you had immunity from the pathetic commissioner and the pathetic MLB minions that run Major League Baseball. The whole thing is phony. It makes me sick. And I guarantee you that Correa will also be beaned. So will Altuve. So will everyone. Bregman. Everyone on that team is going to be beaned. And how about the pitchers opening their mouth? They had nothing to do with it. So shut your mouth. You know, Correa tells other players to shut their mouth. How about some of them shut their mouths? So baseball this season is going to be a disaster because of what the Astros did. And we haven't even seen yet what they're going to do to the Red Sox. But they're not going to treat the Red Sox as badly as they did the Astros. From what the reports are saying, they're going to get less punishment because they have less evidence of what the Red Sox were doing when they won their world championship in 2018 and cheated doing so. Alex Cora brought the system to Boston, so you know they were cheating. Thus, you know they are lying. Everyone in baseball is a fake, a phony, and a liar. And that is the moral of the story, so they can all rot in hell. No wonder I'm so bored watching baseball, because they have to cheat to entertain us. Finally, I took 34C and her mother and my kids out to a super fancy dinner on Saturday night. I went to a super fancy, expensive restaurant. I had a reservation. I still got there and they made me wait 45 minutes for my table. That sucked. When you get a reservation at a fancy restaurant and they even text you an hour before your reservation to tell you we're looking forward to seeing you there, please confirm your reservation by texting back that you're going to be there. And then you show up and they still make you stand around and go to the bar and spend a bunch of money buying drinks, waiting for your table. Then you get to your table and then you wait 20 minutes for a waiter and then they keep forgetting to bring you the bread. Then you've got 34C and her mother angry. And then the kids turn on you. Then they blame you that the service isn't good. Then again, the food was awesome. All the appetizers were awesome. They were enormous. Everyone was stuffing their face. The steaks were incredible. Mine was awesome. I thought it was phenomenal. But then they brought dessert and they brought me sorbet and my sorbet was literally soup. There was no sorbet. Usually when you get sorbet, you get two big balls of sorbet to eat. I got two bowls of soup. My sorbet was completely melted. I wouldn't eat the sorbet that was completely melted, but the young chopper did. She got sorbet that was completely melted and she loved it. Some people love completely melted sorbet and I'm not one of them. And then I got the bill, which was enormous. And then I wanted to puke because I had to pay the enormous bill. Then I went home and got a little leg. Check it out. It's another edition of Pharrell on the bench. The fans are clamoring for it. I give them what they want. Have a lousy day. Check it out. Check it out. Make sure you catch Coast to Coast. 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern and in-game live from 7 to 9 p.m. Eastern every day on SportsGrid, the SportsGrid app, Pluto TV app, channel 517, Zumo TV app, channel 719, and Watchster app, channel 352, and YouTube slash SportsGrid TV 3.
You can catch all of the shows on the Fantasy Sports Network app and the Fantasy Sports Radio app. And you can hear this podcast, of course, there as well. There's best ofs coast to coast on Saturdays and Sunday, Saturday, 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. And Sunday from 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. And then on Saturdays from 2 a.m. to 7 a.m., they run Pharrell on the Bench podcast best ofs. So I'm all over the place. I'm unavoidable. You can find me everywhere. And it's a beautiful thing because I'm a beautiful person. And so are you. So have a beautiful day. Shake it Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.